Hey, NCC. I'm Sarah Eskami. I'm one of the spiritual directors here. And we are kicking off the first week of a new series of conversations where we're talking about what we believe. And thousands of years ago, at the beginning of the church, the early believers asked the same question, what's core to our faith? And the church leadership got together and they went to the scriptures and they created a statement, something that they would say out loud whenever they gathered together because it was so core to the Christian faith. And so as we kick off this series, we're gonna start by just reflecting on this ancient statement that's so meaningful today. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us, for our salvation, came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified who spoke by the prophets. And we believe one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. This is what we believe. Well, this morning to start off the message, I want to take you back about 500 years to the nation of England, and there was a young man named William Tyndale who grew up in the church, and as he was looking at the church, he noticed that there were some things about the church that were really difficult for him to understand, and that he felt like, hey, this was not in line with what God was dreaming for the church, and one of the biggest things was this, it's that the Bible, the scriptures, were not available for everyone to read. This was just 500 years ago that whenever you would come into a church service like this, there was a church leader or a priest or someone who would read the Bible, but they would read it in Latin. So it wasn't available in English or in any kind of normal language that anyone spoke. It was available in Latin. So they would read it in Latin, and then they would tell you what it meant in your language, and then they would talk about what that meant. But you couldn't actually read it for yourself or own a copy of the Bible and William Tyndale felt like everyone should have a chance to read God's word for themselves. And so as he started this campaign or this movement of what if we could get the Bible in everyone's language? What if we could make it available for everyone to read? There were leaders, both religious and political, that did not like that. And they began to persecute him. And he actually had to flee from England for his life. But him and a good friend of his, um, Thomas Matthew, sat out on this project William Tyndale began to translate the scriptures, and Thomas Matthew had the funds and the printing ability to create co 
copies of the Bible, and then they would sneak back into England in kind of covert ways, and they would begin to hand out copies of the Bible to people. But when it was discovered by the leaders of England at that time, they persecuted him and they killed him. Matter of fact, they tied him up and they burned him alive for this simple belief that everyone should have the ability to read God's word. And his friend, Thomas Matthew, suffered the same fate when he was captured. Once again, he was burned alive at the stake. The amazing thing about their life is one of the last recorded prayers isn't, I'm about to die, God, save me. It was, Lord, open up the eyes of the people of England so that they will understand the importance of your word. I mean, just crazy love for the word of God and this crazy passion that we want everyone to be able to engage with scripture and understand God's word. And really what we have today, the Bible in so many different versions and languages, the Bible in a digital format is because there were early church leaders that said, hey, we have this passion to make sure that everyone can understand scripture for themselves and that no one is without access to the Bible. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're looking in this series for the next few weeks about what we believe. And there was just a statement that we had up on the screen, and I realized some of the wording or some of the language of that statement may be a little bit difficult to understand, but we're going to spend the next few weeks unpacking that in really in practical ways trying to help you understand what is core to what we believe as Christians. So if there was any part of that that was confusing, I want to encourage you, come back the next few weeks. We're going to talk about it. But we're going to start this first week where those early church leaders started, and that was this, that everything that is written, everything that is core to Christianity comes from the Word of God. Okay, It comes from the Bible. And this is what we're going to focus in on today. Now, if you're here all the time at NCC, you know I normally don't, hold up like a physical copy of the Bible, okay? Like many of you, I typically read it like in a digital format, but when I talk about it being awesome, I didn't want to hold up my iPad because that could be really confusing, and so I did bring like a physical copy, but I do want to be clear about this. I don't want this to be confusing. What I'm not saying is, hey, you have to read a printed copy, and it has to be on pages like this. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're saying at all this morning. Some of you, that's the best way for you to engage with that. Great. Keep doing that. For others, it's in a digital format on your smartphone, on an iPad, a tablet or something. Great. Keep doing that. For others of you, it's listening. So you have a way to listen to the scriptures and someone is reading that. Great. We want you to engage with the scripture. That's the important part, not the format or the way that you do that. We're just saying, please open up God's word and in some way engage with it and allow it to change you and shape you. This is what we believe as followers of Jesus, that this book is absolutely amazing. And there is no other book like this in the entire world. You may not know this, but this is a compilation of 66 letters, collections of writings, books that were written, stories and narratives that were composed over 4,000 years. Now, some of you guys remember history class. Can you even remember what was happening 4,000 years ago? Like that was hard for me to think about. And this was written over 4,000 years by 40 different authors. There were women's voice that went into this, men's voice, different people from different cultures, backgrounds, different languages from different countries that all wrote over this time around one central theme and one central focus. And when you stop and think about that, I mean, we could barely get this room to agree on some opinions, right? Imagine different cultures, different languages, different backgrounds over 40,000 years, 
all writing with one central theme and one central focus. And this is an absolutely amazing book that God has compiled together. There are 1.7 million books published every year, okay? Some of them are really entertaining. I love reading fiction books. Um, others of them are self-help, like they let us know more about ourselves or more about other people. Some are scientific or historical or some of the other arts. Probably of that 1.7 million, some should never be written, right? Like they're just not that great of a book. But that's how many are published. But of all of those, we believe this, that the Bible stands apart from any book that was written throughout history that ever will be written. There is no other book like the Bible or the scriptures that God has given us. And you guys, we have access to the word of God. We can read this. Now, here's what you may have thoughts about this. You may know others that have thoughts about this. Sometimes when we approach the scriptures or people approach this, they're like, hey, you can't believe this. Okay, because this book is over 2000 years old now. And how do we really know that we can trust what this says as compared to what the original people that wrote this? It's been way too long. You can't do that. And there have been amazing books and long course studies and people that are a lot smarter than me that talk about this. So let me just try to make this as simple and as quick as I can this morning is there's actual historical and scientific methods to determine can we trust an ancient document? Like what we have right now, can we trust that? In the Bible, like tons of other ancient documents have gone up against that. And what they look at is how close to the original manuscript do we have? Like ancient documents that we have, how close are they to the original manuscript? Which if you don't know what that means, it means how close can we get to the original author's pen and paper, pen and scroll, pen and animal hide. I don't know what they wrote on back then, but just whatever that was, how close can we get that to what we have? And nothing can come close to the Bible. The Bible is the closest we can get from ancient documents to the original manuscript. And here's the thing. No one's questioning Homer's Iliad, are we? No one's questioning Plato's philosophy. Like, is that actually what Plato meant? But when it comes to the scriptures, we do that a lot. And I'm telling you, no other ancient document can get as close to the Bible, the ancient documents that we have, to the original manuscript. This book stands apart and alone from anything else that we have, any historical documentation. Here's another thing that people say. You can't believe this. You know why? Because there's contradictions. Like this was written by different people, and sometimes they say things about you know, something similar, and maybe they don't agree with each other, so you probably can't trust this is true. And when I talk to people about that, I think, hey, that's a very valid thought. Let's kind of explore that. And as soon as I ask them, hey, can you talk to me about some of those contradictions? They get really quiet. I don't know. I think I heard someone on this television show once I mentioned this. Or maybe, yeah, there was this professor that said something about this. But they can't tell you for themselves. And I encourage people, hey, you probably want to read it for yourself to know, like, are there really contradictions? And there are moments where there are different accounts of what's happening in the scriptures. Let's take a quick second and talk about that. Imagine you and I went to lunch, okay? So service is done, we're going to head out, we're going to get something to eat, and we're going to go to the same restaurant. So we go over to the town east area, if you guys know where that is, there's all those restaurants, and we both park our car, but we park about 20 spaces or about 20 feet apart, so we're a little bit apart, and we get out of the car and start to walk out, and all of a sudden we witness an accident. Okay, we see this car wreck and 
one of our great police officers comes and he's going to make a report and he's going to come up to you and say, what happened? And you tell him, hey, you know what? I saw this red car back up and they backed into the white car. There were two people in the red car, weren't paying attention, and they just backed up into this white car. That's what happened. And then he comes over to me and he says, hey, Pastor Aaron, what happened? I saw three people in the red car back up and they hit this white car. They got into this accident. They weren't paying attention. Those are different accounts, aren't they? But it's because you're standing 20 feet away from me and I'm standing 20 feet away from you. And you can't see everything that I can see and I can't see everything that you can see. But we're both giving accounts. But here's the thing is we both saw the red car back up into the white car. We saw that happen. That's what's going on in Scripture. And when people talk about contradictions, it's like that. Of Were there three witnesses there? Were there four witnesses there? We don't, we don't know. There's different accounts of that. But everyone's agreeing it was crazy because this Jewish rabbi just opened the eyes of the blind guy. No one's disputing that he was actually dead. We saw him on a cross, and now he's resurrected, and he's up teaching different people. The contradictions aren't like that. Like, we don't know. There may be 12 baskets. There may be seven baskets. All we know is we started with this little kid's lunch, and somehow we fed 5,000 people. Are you getting that? The contradictions are over these minor, minor, minute details. They're not about the main thing, which is God has sent his son, and he loved us, and he came, and he gave his life for us. So we need to really understand, like, what are those difficulties that people are talking about? Here's what I think is at the heart of them. It's that we want the Bible not to be true. There was an atheistic philosopher, and this is what he said. He was being honest, and he said, I want there to not be a God. He said, because if I can convince myself there is not a God, I can give myself to whatever sinful pursuit I want to. And I believe that's how it is with Scripture a lot of times is, you guys, we want this to not be real. Because if we can convince ourselves this isn't true, then, you know, maybe it's a book that has some good moral tales about how we can be better people. Or if this isn't God's word, you know, maybe it's a story that has these kind of fictional tales and it's kind of entertaining to read about a guy getting swallowed by a big fish. But it's not real. But as soon as I acknowledge this is God's word, I'm then responsible for the truth held in it. And sometimes it's easier, you guys, not to think this is, that this is actually the word of God, but that's what the scripture says. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that's the heart of what we believe, that everything about our life is determined by God's word and what he has said. And so we're going to look at this this morning of what does that mean? How do we interact with scriptures as followers of Jesus? Now, let me also say this. There may be those of you in the room or watching online, and you would be honest and say, Aaron, I'm not there yet. Like, I'm new to church. I'm new to the Christian thing. I'm still figuring out, like, is Jesus for me? Is Jesus not for me? So let me just say, hey, thank you so much for being willing to come. Like, I want you to know you can belong at NCC even if you're not quite there yet. Even if you're asking questions about God and about Jesus, this is a safe place for you. You are welcome here, and we are so glad that you're with us. And I would love to have more conversations about how can we know that the Bible is trustworthy. And once again, those are different sermons, yeah, and a lot different conversations. But if you would be gracious enough, if you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're saying, hey, I'm willing to listen to to just give us this idea of what if the Bible is real? Then what does that mean for us? How do we engage with God's word, and what does that look like? And, And what should our response be to this? 
if this book is actually the word of God. So we're going to go to scriptures to look at this this morning. And we're going to start in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to look, look at verse 16 and 17. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there or on your smartphone. Or if you have the NCC app, you can follow along in the sermon notes. 2 Timothy 3.16. In case you don't know what this book is, this is a guy named Paul. And he's writing to someone that he's mentored, that he's coached. He considers them like kind of a spiritual son, like their family connected together. And he's writing to him this letter. So that's all it is. This is the second letter to Timothy that a guy named Paul wrote. And 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. All scripture, so all of God's word, is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, I want you to know this, that all of God's word, it's God breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting all of this. And it's there to help you be equipped for every good work. So we need to understand this. The Bible is saying this, that as we're engaging with the word of God, we need to understand that the scriptures are the active voice of God. That the Bible, this is the active voice of God in your life and in my life. This is God speaking to us. If you've ever thought, man, I would give anything just to hear God talk to me, you've got it. Super simple, okay? Just open this up and begin to read it. This is God's active voice in our life. Here's what we need to understand. He says this, all, all scripture is God-breathed. That means that this is God himself, the creator of the universe, that is working through this text right here to let us know about himself, that there is something unique about this book and the way that it's written more than any others that God is speaking to us through his word, okay? Now, here's what's important to know because you may not know this. Uh, we do not believe that God just kind of dropped this book out of heaven, okay? And someone walked up to it and was like, oh, this is interesting. And they looked and it was God's handwriting. That's not what we're saying at all, okay? This is not God writing on ancient scrolls and hiding them in a cave somewhere. And some people just came across that and they were like, what are all these writings? Wow, this must be God talking to us. That's not what's happening. We believe that God used normal women and used normal men through the course of this 4,000 years, used different voices, once again, different cultures and different people to tell us his words and what, did he, and what he wanted us to know. And that it was his spirit working through, once again, these men, these women, these different individuals. You have young people writing in this, and you have older individuals that are captured in this book. That that's what's happening. God is using ordinary people to do that. And can I tell you this? Sometimes he's using really messed up people. And sometimes he's using broken people. And sometimes he's using selfish people. And here's why. It's all he has to work with, you guys. Because that's all of us. Like, we're all kind of messed up. We're all broken at times. We all have issues. That's who he's using. But I do need you to know this. Although the people are broken, this is a perfect God. And he's making sure that his will and his voice, even in the midst of our imperfections, are coming through. And you also need to know this. This is not a book of heroes. So this is not about a guy maybe named Moses or Noah or David. This is not about a lady named Deborah or Ruth or Mary. And these are really awesome people and try to be like them. That's not what this book is. This book has one main character and everyone else is the supporting staff. And that is Yahweh himself. 
He's who this book is about. It's not about other people other than the fact that we're broken and we keep needing to run to a God who can rescue us and save us because we can't do this on our own. That is the storyline of this book. That is the focus of this book. It is God revealing himself. It is his active word. And that's why it's not, hey, read it once and you're done. Like, just get through it one time and you're good. You know this because it's not meant to be an ancient document. It's meant to be an active document. That every day when you pick it up, God's spirit is still speaking and you're learning more about yourself and you're learning about how God loves you and what God wants for your life and what God desires for you. That is the power of this book. The scripture are the active voice of God in our life. The second thing that we need to understand is God's word shapes our beliefs. God's word, the scripture, it shapes what we believe as people. This is what, once again, in this letter, 2 Timothy 3.16, all of God's word is God-breathed. And get this, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, I need you to know this. The scripture, this is how you're to use it. It's to be used to teach, correct, rebuke, instruct, like train in righteousness in your life and in the life of others. That as you're reading God's word, it's shaping what you believe. Now, I'll be honest with you. This is probably the most unpopular teaching right now about the word of God. Because we live in a culture and a time where we want to think, you know what? My truth is my truth. And don't tell me what to believe. And we live in a time and in a culture where we want to say, hey, um, I need you to accept my reality. And it doesn't matter if it's your reality. This is my reality. Don't tell me what my reality should be. And the scripture comes back and says, no, we didn't make ourselves, you guys. We didn't form ourselves that there is a creator and a designer. There is a God who loves us and that when it comes to our life and when it comes to truth, we don't just consult ourselves, but we talk to him. And what we believe in our pattern of thinking and our mindset isn't just up to ourselves, but it's actually up to God. Now, let me be very clear about this, because this is where it gets confusing is there are things that we really feel as broken human beings. And this is not to negate any of those feelings. It's not to negate questions that we have. But as the follower of Jesus, I take everything, the good and the brokenness of my life, and I submit it to Jesus and his word. And I say, God, what do you think about this? And God, what do you think about this mindset? And what do you think about this feeling or this mental pattern that I have? And God, how does what I'm going through line up with your word? Because God, it's your word that should shape what I believe not the other way around. I'm not going to scripture trying to find ways to convince everyone that what I'm saying is right. I'm humbly coming to scripture saying, God, what do you think about my life? And God, what have you spoken over me? And God, how can I get closer to your design and your purpose for my life? And so this is a hard teaching, you guys. I understand that. But as followers of Jesus, I don't come with my ideas and just throw them on the Bible. I come to the Bible and say, instruct me and teach me and god even sometimes correct me when i'm wrong so that my beliefs are lining up with your word not the other way around this is why i want you to hear this this is so important every week when i get up here i feel a tremendous burden my desire is that i would never tell you my opinion or hey here's what you should think about something because this is what i would think it's that here at ncc mesquite and any other campus that we start anyone that stands up on this platform would be preaching this and not their own ideas. 
would be talking about the Word of God and drawing us back to this. And this is why I want to encourage you. Don't believe what I say about the Bible. Check it out for yourself. Open it up. Read it. Study it. You need to know the Scriptures because you need to know this is what God's Word is saying and this is what shapes what it is that we believe. Here's the last one. We say this a lot here at NCC. Scripture shapes our lives. Scripture shapes our lives. 2 Timothy 3.17. Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, here's what you need to know about the Word of God. It's God-breathed. It's useful for teaching and correcting. Here's the last thing. Here's why God's Word exists. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That as you and I read this, it begins to shape our behavior and our attitudes and our actions. And that's why when you're reading God's Word and you get in that moment, and you're so mad, and you want to haul off and hit someone, or you want to yell at someone, or you want to react a different way, and all of a sudden there's that pause, and you remember that Bible verse, or you remember that scripture, or you remember that story from the Bible. It's God working, saying, hey, I'm trying to shape your life. That's not how you react. You're different than other people because you've got my word, and you're listening to my voice. Scripture shapes our lives. Scripture is not just about an hour of getting together and talking about what this says. It's about each and every day opening it up and saying, God, keep changing me. Keep making me more like you, God. Keep showing me more of who you are in your plan, in your desires. When he's talking about righteousness, he's not just talking about, hey, if you read this, you won't sin, you won't make mistakes. That's not what it's saying at all. It's saying that as we engage with God's word, it keeps pulling us closer to how God wants us to live. His desire in every area of our life, it shapes us and reforms us into the creation that God wants us to be. That's his desire. That is the power of the word of God. And so this is how we're going to respond to this message. Like the word of God is, it's powerful. And I believe this, that if you will read it, it will change your life. It will make an impact if you'll be open to it. Now, some of you, as I mentioned, like you may be new to scripture. So let me just try to, to help you and this is how we can respond um, this morning to the Bible. So I've got three Bibles up here, which may be confusing as a part to what's on my iPad, but there are what are known as different versions of the Bible. So I'll quickly try to explain them um, and, and some of the ideas around them. There are times where I just want to read the Bible, okay? So I'm just going to read through like a section or a story. And so I'll pick a version, like this version is called The Message, and it was written by a great author who understands like the original text and everything. But he wrote in what's called a paraphrase. Okay, so he's taking really large sections and he's trying to communicate in a way that's so simple and so easy. I would say this probably a second grader could read this and understand it like it's just really smooth, easy thoughts. So like I'll pick a version that's a paraphrase like the message. And this is great. It's great to read sometimes when you're just reading maybe larger sections or you just want to understand it, or I would say this, if you're just starting off, this could be a great version of the Bible um, to read. Then there are other versions that aren't considered a paraphrase. They're thought for thought. So imagine taking a sentence from the Greek or from the Hebrew, like a different language, and bringing them into the English and still trying to capture the heart of it and what's right there, but kind of sentence by sentence or section by section. And so there's what's known as the New International Version, the NCV, the New Century Version, the NKJV, NKJV, which I know some of this sounds like some weird code. It's not, okay? It's just abbreviations. The New King James Version. And some of those are thought for thought, okay? 
So they're helping that. And so if I want to reflect on scripture, like I want to think about, hey, God, what are you saying? So maybe I'll read one verse and I'll just read it over and over again. I'll pick one of these. It's a thought for thought translation. And then there are other times where I want to study God's word. And so I'll pick up something. Um, this is actually my future daughter-in-law's Bible. I took it from her because I didn't have one here. But it's a keyword study Bible. And it is like it's going to go in depth. This is what's considered like a word-for-word translation. And so it doesn't always read the easiest, but it's great for studying. And the crazy thing is if you open this, like usually in the text, you're going to see different small numbers. And that's because you can take that word, like what does grace mean there? And you can flip to the back and find that number, and it's going to tell you here's the Greek word, which you and I probably won't understand. But it'll say here's what that Greek word means in English, and here are other places that it's used. So now you can see, oh, grace in 1 Corinthians says this, but also in Galatians or another book of the Bible, another letter of the Bible, it says this. And you can start to study, hey, what does that mean? It's a little bit more in depth, but a keyword study Bible is great for that. There may be different times you want to do different things. That's great. All this I'm telling you is please open up the Bible and engage with it. If you want to read it, great. If you want to reflect on it, great. If you want to study it, great. Just make sure that you're opening and that you're engaging. And don't be afraid to start somewhere. You may say, I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't know half the stuff that you were talking about this morning as it comes to the Bible. That's okay. Just start somewhere and open up the scriptures and allow God to speak to you. And as you do that, as you say, God, I'm listening, it's going to shape what you believe, and it's going to shape your life, your actions, your behavior, who you are. God is going to continually form you closer and closer into his image. And I want to pray for us this morning. I'm going to ask if you would take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes. And I just want to start by praying for anyone that's here this morning, and you would say, Aaron, I kind of know what you mean when you're talking about broken people and messes in our lives because that's where I'm at. And you may be here online, you may be here in person and say, I feel disconnected from God. And I want you to know this, the beauty of this book that we've been talking about is this simple truth right here, is we're broken and God knew that and he came and he loved us anyway. And if your image of God is something else, you need to read the scripture because this is a God that will not stop pursuing you, that loves you so much. He's willing to die for you. He's willing to give his own life. He's willing to do whatever it takes because he wants to be in a relationship with you. That's God's biggest desire is he wants to be close to his creation. He's not mad at you. He's not trying to punish you. He's not frustrated with you. This is a God that believes the best about you and wants to be in relationship with you. And if that's you, I'm going to lead us in a prayer this morning. And it's a very simple prayer. And I'm going to invite you to repeat this prayer after me. And we're all going to say this out loud. And this prayer very simply acknowledges, God, I know that I've messed up. And I've tried to do things my own way sometimes. And this morning, I just want you to know I'm sorry. And I want to invite you in to be a part of my life. I want a relationship with you. And so I'm going to ask that we all say this together, even if you're by yourself at home. We don't want anyone praying this alone, so say this out loud with me. Let's pray this together this morning, church. Jesus, I come to you, and I admit that I've messed up. I know I've sinned, and I'm sorry. And So I invite you into my life. Be the Savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new start. 
And I pray this in your name. Amen. Now, church, can you just put your hands together and celebrate? The Bible says this, that all of heaven is rejoicing, that all of heaven is celebrating. When even one person says, hey, I've been outside of a relationship with God, but I want to know God. I want to be in a relationship with him. And so if that's you, we are excited. If you prayed that prayer and you've been feeling disconnected from God, this is what I believe is that God wants to work on the inside of you. He wants to get to know you. He wants you to get to know him. He wants to be a part of your life. And so if you're saying, that's me, I've been disconnected from God or disconnected from church, we want to help you take those first steps in walking with God. So we want to invite you um, today to let us know you prayed that prayer. Go to newcommunity.co slash connect track. And this is a great next step because in this connect track, we're going to help you just discover, like, who is Jesus and what is he like and what kind of person he is and what does he want for my life and so we've changed some things up with the connect track class because we want everyone to go through that and just discover like who jesus is and how to be in a relationship with him and then also how do i get to know other people in the church how do i connect with others in the church we don't want you walking out your christian faith by yourself we want to help you in this and so i want to encourage you this is a great next step if you pray that prayer we want you to do this just go there Sign up for the next Connect Track class. Be a part of that and learn how to grow in your relationship with God. I'm going to lead us in one more prayer. And this time, I want to encourage you not to repeat after me. But just in your own simple words, would you just have a conversation with God? You may not know how to pray. That's okay. And just say, God, help me to understand your word more. Help me to have a love for your word, to read your word more, to make this a priority. So let's just take a moment and pray that we would engage with God's word more. God, first, we just say thank you for giving us the Bible, that you want us to get to know you. You want us to know more about who you are and your love for us. And I pray that we would be a church, we would be a people who do. God, we open up the scriptures, we engage with your word, Lord. We read this and we understand what you're speaking to us and God, what you're saying, Lord. We want your word to be alive. We want it to be your active voice, God. We want it to shape and direct our lives, Lord, in all that we think and all that we believe, God. So I pray that help us to love your word. Help us to read it more, God. Help us to study more and reflect more on your word. Let it change us in such a way that it impacts others, God, and that it grows us more and more in your love. Let us be that kind of church. I pray this in your name.